0: This podcast is presented by Rabbi Peretz-Mutchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rabbi Parrots podcast. There are two main elements of life that give us focus into the type of person we are and to the way the environment and surroundings that we have affect us. And those are the intellect and the emotions. The intellect is fed by information It's met by creativity, and when you fuse the information you have with the creative reinforcement that you possess, you find your unique ability to be attracted to different types of wisdom, storytelling, narratives. Emotional development is a little more complicated because within emotional development, there is the reactionary part of the way I feel about things around me. But then there's the emotional maturity where it's about not how I react, but how I initiate through my emotions. Your emotions are actually more unique to who you are than your intellect. Many people can possess wide amounts of information, and everybody can do different things with that intellectual information. And it births different things within the person. But your emotions are more complex. In Kabbalah, the intellect focuses on three elements. The intellect focuses on the element of intellectual curiosity, you may call it, or the power of creativity, the ability to ask questions, the power of what, known as Chachma. You have the next level of Bina, which is all about computing the information and taking the binary energy of creativity and the osmosis of intellect and putting it into an understood place, more like the information that you possess and that you garner and develop and think about. And then you have the third level of intellect, which is the communicative power of intellect, which is taking and digesting what you have acquired and what you have learned and being able to use it as a force of communication in writing and for that matter, even in thought, but the ability to understand and decipher what it is that you're thinking about and working on. The more complex part of yourself is your emotions, your emotions are split up into seven different range forms, and those range from kindness and discipline and compassion to uh, being able to persevere and have humility and create a connection and bonding. We did a series earlier last year on seven different emotional prototypes, and the reason why it's so important to understand emotions is to understand that emotions are generally super positive, and by positive meaning that they're expressing something deeper and they're Expressing something personal and unique. So even when an emotion is, let's say, sadness, it's not that sadness is the primary emotion. It's a reaction to something that has something else that is trying to trigger and uncover what's going on. So by being able to see and analyze and intellectualize a bit about your emotions, you learn that you have the power to stimulate them. In other words, when you're a child, your emotions are generally reactionary. And true, we have Inborn dispositions that'll make us more partial to certain emotions versus other emotions. But being an adult is learning how to take control of your emotions and becoming the CEO, you might say, of your emotional output. Simply having emotional maturity is the biggest part of adult life. So much. Of Our tradition is revolved around the intellect, the Torah, the stories, the lessons, and all the beautiful things around the intellectual capacity. And that is because it's within intellect that we tap into the concept of the design of the universe or purpose or being able to tap into the little pieces of divine and soul energy around us. But when you really dig deep and you find out that the soul and godliness operate more on an emotional level than they do on an intellectual level, then you need to have intelligent design to your emotions, or in other words, what we're calling emotional maturity, being able to stimulate your emotions and develop them. The engagement of intellect in Judaism is called Torah. It's all about learning and about sitting and learning. So, so much of Judaism is revolved around teaching and learning. However, what's less understood, and you might even say that art is somewhat lost, is the emotional maturity side of Judaism, and that is all in the category of prayer. In fact, I hesitate to use the word prayer because it often Brings up and connotates the lower level of prayer, which is all about asking for things or pleading for things or yearning for a different scenario and again, things. But prayer is not just about asking for things. That is certainly the lowest level of prayer. And truthfully, we do believe that God can intervene into the force of nature and bring about redemption to those that are lost or to situations that seem futile. But at the same time, that is not really what prayer is for. Prayer has a much deeper and more relevant understanding. And it's not just about meditation or going within. The primary form of of prayer, is to have emotional maturity and to have an outlook on the world that allows you to have this emotional maturity. So the concept of prayer in Jewish tradition, in the form that we have it, is basically related to the second temple as we shifted from a sacrifice-based, centered form of worship to a practical form of worship, which include your personal narrative, which in the relevant concepts of the world. So let's let let me try to break that down for you a little bit. So basically, in the temple they had sacrifices. Now the the concept of sacrifices a little bit misunderstood. I'm not going to sit here judging your understanding of sacrifices, but sacrifices were about the ability to feed the community through your own worship. It wasn't about burning an animal or sacrificing an animal. It was about the idea that in Jewish tradition, we don't take any blood from animals. And the reason we don't consume blood is related to God saying so, but also to blood is vitality. It represents the physical animation of soul. And we don't consume soul. We're not gods that we consume others, let alone blood. So blood is something that we don't consume at any level. And when you eat meat, you have to salt the animal in a really rigorous way in order that there shouldn't be any residue of blood whatsoever. So in the temple, they would, of course, salt the meat, but it was eventually all the meat from the animal, most of it was given away to charity. So, But the idea of sacrifice has an incredibly interesting origin. In the first line in the book of Sacrifices by Yikra, Leviticus known in English, the first line is when a person sacrifices of himself. When describing the concept of sacrifice, it's all about a sacrifice from yourself. And this is really where Judaism is highlighted in its own way. The word Jew means selfless And you can include that with a form of surrender and gratitude as it comes together. So being Jewish and having sacrifices in the temple meant coming to the temple is about finding where in life I can give of myself, but more importantly, find that selfless flow within me. And when I find that selfless flow within me, that's emulating the divine that's being able to see myself as a conduit for goodness and the ability to have growth around me in this world. So when the, transfer of temple to the real world, it wasn't that we lost the temple. It's we lost the platform of where to have a place for this emotional maturity, to have the introspection of being selfless so we can emulate the purpose of existence, which is to have this human connection and flow and uncovering divine through this incredibly relevant modern world, no matter what stages it takes on. So the primary tool to achieve that then was sacrifices today is what we call prayer. So maybe you haven't felt that when you come to your synagogue or you come to prayer, and maybe your parents haven't, and therefore you didn't grow up with it, or even your grandparents were already done with it, and therefore they haven't connected with it. But when you see that there is an actual part of Judaism, and not just a small part, but a large part of Judaism that deals with emotional maturity, now it changes the name of the game. Now, the real reason why Tefillah, or this kind of, or korban; these concepts of closeness and emotional maturity and prayer are so central to Judaism, is because the world is all about making space between you and the divine. That's really what this world is about. In other words, it's about relationships, and relationships require an incredible dose of rehabilitation. Because as two things come together to uncover the unique oneness between them and their couplehood and in relationships and in friendships, it requires an incredible amount of emotional maturity to make the space for one another. So in order to make this space, when you look into prayer or into Jewish meditation or to whichever title you'd like to apply to the time it requires to spend on this, you'll find out that it's central to the Jewish experience. So the layers are, the first part of it is all about gratitude. The first tool is gratitude. So within gratitude, we also have the ability to ask for things that we need. What we're saying is, I have gratitude, I have perspective, and I'm trying to have a truthful conversation with what it means to have more so I can express more and develop more. And this is relevant to our age, the age of abundance, the ability to use all the incredible blessings we have to affect the world positively. There is a higher level of prayer though, and this is the higher level that I want to talk about and discuss in this episode and in further episodes, which isn't so much about what I have and what I don't have, but about what I am and what I can possibly achieve. In other words, what can I do with this incredible power that I have to be human, to have choice, to be able to see and have perspective? Take away even the concept of God for a minute, because sometimes God, prayer, these things cloud over a much simpler and much more important element of existence, which is You are you and you see the world from your perspective and you choose to do whatever you want. No one can live for you. You're the one who's going to live every day the way you want to live. Now, when you have meaning and you have purpose and you have goals, you all of a sudden live a vibrant life where you can invest yourself and use your skills and your talents in many different ways. When you're not able to use your talents and your skills, then your attractions start becoming lower and more challenged and you're not able to figure out why am I attracted to that? What am I supposed to do in this? Scenario. So being able to find self discovery is really important because it's not just about feeling closer to myself. It's you cannot really truly be selfless in a sustainable manner. You can't truly give to the world and continuously be a conduit for goodness in the world without having a connection to pure self discovery. Thus, our age with a renaissance in exercise, fitness, mindfulness, and mind fitness is parallel to me that the art of prayer has been lost. And because it's been lost, we need to supplement it with many other different ways to stimulate the emotions in a way that I've taken control and I've found control over it. So the most important layer of prayer is this self-discovery that leads to emotional maturity. And the highlight of these prayers is the ability to first start taking stock of what you have with the gratitude, but eventually to settle into what is my intellect for, what are my emotions for, what are my relationships for, why do I have sight, why do I have touch and feeling. In other words, create an inward-bound experience to relearn to see what you are and the way you now express yourself to the world. This, to me, is actually a mind-blowing experience. So I'll take, for example, a psalm that has in it the words, hallelujah. Now, hallelujah in the American language is at worst known as praise the Lord, it's not about you, or at best, uh, Leonard Cohen, hallelujah, where it's about this incredible feeling of what a beautiful world we live in. It's almost like uh, the next level up of somewhere over the rainbow, you know, being able to take this grand perspective. So, the idea of hallelujah really is ultimately gratitude as a conduit for self discovery. And this idea was very much part of King David's life day to day. One of the reasons why King David, we're so enamored with him in the Jewish world, is not just because he was a king or a warrior or signifies redemption. He signifies the future redemption based on the idea that you can always find rehabilitation and redemption within your own identity if you dig deep enough. And King David dug quite deep. We have his psalms, we have his poetry, and when we say these words, we don't just say these words, but we recognize that these are the conduits— And this is where it holds the Jewish tradition. This is where it encapsulates the Moses, the Abraham tradition of self discovery as a way to affect the world. In Psalm 145, King David uses the alphabet as a ladder of climbing within every facet of your emotional development and cryptically hidden within each and every line is a stage in human experience going from Abraham's uncovering of what things to be large and big what they're all about what does it mean to be full of something and can one be full of something but be full of something that encourages one to have a healthy ego and a healthy accomplishment sense of what they can possibly Incur in this world. And it continues with ideas of being able to tap into gratitude and being able to perpetuate it. So there's this balance between being able to have gratitude and also to have gratitude to be a link in a chain. So you have this side of emotional development where you're purely unique and purely connected to the idea that you have a lens that nobody else will have and your life is valuable just because you're the only one who can do it that is enough to have gratitude and self-fulfillment and then there's the other part of it that you are perpetuating a link from the past and hopefully being able to build a link for the future allowing you to not just be a cog in the wheel but an actual proponent of future development for mankind and for humankind so with this concepts in mind king david is taking this psalm and he's saying this is what it means to to appreciate what you have but more importantly this is a way to appreciate who you are and being able to appreciate who you are is not oftentimes intuitive there are very often times where people don't appreciate who they are today and thus we have a world where it's super challenging to really find people who don't have to succumb to bad habits and have to work on them but that's okay because bad habits are something that when you work on them you're able to uncover deeper layers within yourself otherwise they wouldn't be a bad habit. they just be benign. So the idea of having something bad is not necessarily in terms of evil. It's in terms of being to have deeper self-discovery. In other words, there's a part of you that is pushing itself to emerge no matter what. And if you can't make it emerge, things are going to happen in a vacuum in order to push you to take and confront who you are and what you're going through. With this lens, you can pretty much withstand any scenario that comes your way in life. This is the reason for having ritual prayer in Judaism, to be able to develop a layer of strength and fortitude through emotional maturity to handle all the scenarios that come your way. Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi, the first Chabad Rebbe, writes extensively on what it means to be involved in prayer and have emotional maturity. And he laments, how hard is it that during the prayers and during the meditations, I feel so amazing and so empowered, and yet when I enter the world, it feels like it never happened and I have to start all over again. And he answers to that and he says, well, the difference is for the person who does this versus the person who doesn't do it is the person who does it is putting themselves out of their comfort zone. Thus, when they go to the world and they enter a spirit or a space where they're not in their comfort zone, they've already done a form of exercise that allows them to go beyond it. Being able to see prayer as both part self-discovery and gratitude, but also leaving your comfort zone just a little bit so that every time you figure out that you're in a place that maybe not to your liking, you can identify it and find out how to be an asset, how to move forward, or how to see yourself individually here and put yourself in a better scenario This is really what prayer is all about. So I hope in the coming episodes, we'll be able to discuss more and uncover more on what it means to have prayer and what it means more importantly to dig deep within oneself. I will also teach you some more prayers and some of their depth and what's involved in them. If you have any specific prayers or questions that you have, welcome to reach out to me on Instagram at rabbi parrots, otherwise email me word at rabbi parrots.com. I'd love for you to drop us a rating on Apple and I really appreciate you tuning in. Have an incredible rest of your week.